Now, when Yeshua, Jesus, had finished these words, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority, not as their Torah scholars. Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 and 29. teaching with authority. He was teaching like a Nicodemus, like a Hillel, like a Shammai. He was teaching like a teacher of the generations, the one that people would remember and talk about. And of course, he is the teacher of every generation, Yeshua, Jesus. Matthew gives us such a beautiful and pictorial view of what happened as Yeshua sat to begin to teach his disciples and the crowds that surrounded him. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, no matter where you are in the world. Welcome to Messiah in Life podcast. This is Justin, your host for today, and I pray that as we consider the Word of God together, we'll be blessed and enriched in the life of faith. I wrestled with where to begin this podcast. You have so many places in Scripture that would make a beautiful opening. But considering that this is Messiah in life, I wanted this podcast to be founded upon the Messiah himself and his words. We'll delve into every area of Scripture, from the Torah, the words of Moses, through to the revelation of John. But I want to make sure that we are set upon the rock, that we are set upon Yeshua, Jesus, as our teacher, our savior, our Messiah. The Sermon on the Mount is perhaps the best known teachings that he gave. Many people can quote some aspect or some part of the Beatitudes. And of course, there is Matthew 7 and verse 12, the golden rule. All of these things teach us beautiful truth and open our heart to heaven's word in a way that few things can. But what is Yeshua leading us to? What is he teaching? Why was it that the generation that heard him open his mouth, as Matthew tells us in chapter 5 and verse 2, he opened his mouth and he began to teach. What was it about that that made them stand in awe of this young rabbi? Well, when we look at how he begins, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is living that Yeshua describes as salt and light, blessed. 
at a first appearance, it doesn't look as much a blessed condition as a, as a circumstance that, oh my goodness, not many of us would want to find ourselves in. But the reality is, is that Yeshua is giving us the keys to living in the circumstance in a way that surpasses our understanding. Blessed, ashre in Hebrew, rejoice, happy, makirios in Greek, essentially meaning the same thing. Blessed sounds a little bit cumbersome. What does it mean to be blessed? Within the Catholic Church, it is a, a step on the way to sainthood, if I understand correctly. But what does it mean for the everyday person, the regular person, to live a blessed life? Well, Yeshua shows us in the remainder of the Sermon on the Mount. That is to live as salt and light. That is to live in a way that honors God in the circumstance where we would naturally want to fight. We would naturally want to resist. We would naturally want to make sure that we came out on top. And Yeshua is telling us, not so fast. There is a righteousness that speaks to every situation. And we learn how to apply that righteousness by rightly dividing the word of truth, the scriptures that we have, the words of Messiah that teach us how to live a life yielding to heaven's call. There's an obvious parallel that Matthew is making from Yeshua to Moses, just as the author of Hebrews would do later on. Matthew is presenting Yeshua as the prophet like unto Moses who was to come, but greater than Moses even. As you remember, in Matthew 17, Moses and Elijah will appear on the Mount of Transfiguration with Yeshua to speak to him. And that is such a beautiful picture that we'll get into at a later date. But here he has him sitting. He has him open his mouth, which seems redundant from our point of view, but he's drawing our attention to Sinai. He's drawing our attention to the word of the Lord that came from the cloud, the word of the Lord that came in thunder, the word of the Lord that terrified those who heard. And he begins to say, blessed, blessed, happy, rejoicing are those who are living in this way. To live as salt and light is based upon the Word of God. The teachings that we find in the Word of God, the instructions, the commands that God has given to us. In Matthew 7, 5, verse 17, Yeshua makes a rather startling statement. He said, Do not think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Now, I'll treat this verse specifically on its own in a, in a different podcast. But why did he insert this word here? Why did he make this statement here? Because to this point, he makes no direct reference to the law, to living the word of God, to covenant faithfulness. He doesn't make any sort of statement, direct or indirect, toward that. And he's correcting that. I'm not saying I came to abolish. In other words, to wrongly interpret something and the word of God in this case. No, I came to rightly interpret it for you in order to help you apply it to life, which is why they were astonished at his teaching. 
And you can look into the work of Dr. Um, David Flusser, Dr. Brad Young. They've done tremendous uh, research and uh, uh, writing on this on this topic. But for today, as we begin this podcast, I want to focus just on one verse because it speaks to exactly what Yeshua is doing through the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 19, Matthew 5, verse 19. He says, Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, this one shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. We read of least and great, and, and we, we get caught up in those definitions. What does he mean specifically by this? In rabbinic literature, it's understood that the least commandment re- does refer to a specific commandment in the law. If you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 22, we'll read that law as it's regarding a bird's nest. In 22 and verse 6 of Deuteronomy, we read, If there happens to be a bird's nest in front of you along the road, in a tree or on the ground, with young ones or eggs, and the hen sitting on the young or on the eggs, you are not to take the hen with the young. You must certainly let the hen go, but the young you may take for yourself, so that it may go well with you, and you may prolong your days. This is considered the least commandment in the law of God because it's not one that is recognizable, is not one that would draw people's attention. It's one that you do between you, the bird, and heaven itself. I remember many years ago when my youngest son was maybe four or five years old, so we're talking about 20 years ago, we had built a, a shed and after a, a month or two, I was going to paint the shed and my son wanted to help. And of course, you put a paintbrush in their hand and you just let them uh, you know, do whatever they want and that's fine. But when we got to a place up by the eaves, I noticed that, of course, uh, I saw a bird's nest was there. A bird had come along and made its nest in those weeks that I hadn't painted the shed. And I wanted to teach this verse, Deuteronomy 22 and verse 6. I wanted to show the word of God to my son in a way that this gave a perfect opportunity for. And I explained to him the verse and the principle behind it and how we weren't going to damage or destroy or we're just going to leave the bird's nest alone. In fact, we actually just painted around it and, and left that spot bare well enough uh, around so there you could see the difference between the painted and the unpainted area. And I wondered, you know, is this a lesson that's going to stick? And perhaps a week or so later, he and I were walking down the driveway and a bird's nest had been blown out of a tree. And he picked it up, and of course, there's nothing in it, but he insisted that we return a bird's nest to the tree. So, I found a a place where some branches were there, and I could kind of squeeze the bird's nest there, knowing full well that they weren't going to return and use it. 
But my son had shown kindness. He wanted kindness to be shown to this bird's nest. And that was what I had hoped would happen. That's what I wondered would happen. So in Matthew 5, before Yeshua gets into some of the most difficult instruction that he gives us, you know, leaving our offering at the, at the altar and go and, and, and be reconciled to the brethren. Give forgiveness as our Father in heaven has forgiven us. Um, don't return insult for insult. All of these incredibly difficult teachings. He gives us this teaching about a bird's nest. The least commandment. The one that's not going to draw anyone's attention. No one's going to see it, but the Father in heaven will see and as the scripture says, he will prolong your days. He will bless your days. There's only two commandments in the Torah that have that promise. The other being the fifth commandment to honor your father and mother. So, you can see the importance of it. this small command to show kindness. This small command that really changes our heart and causes us to respond to the word of God in a way that even though this is incidental, no one's going to notice, I'm still fulfilling this small command, this least of commands. It's remarkable, but that's the level, the depth to which Yeshua is teaching us and leading us as he takes us along this narrow way. Yeah, you know, there's so many things that we can, we can look at the word and say, yes, we've done that. We've done that. I, I, I'm trying to love my enemy. I tried to do this and make a show of it or at least some demonstration, but something that is so minor really can show the condition of the heart. So, what does it look like to, to be blessed, to live this, uh, this happy, rejoicing condition? What does it mean to be salt and light? It is, you know, salt and light changes the circumstance of the, 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 the community around us, the people around us. And certainly, as we live and walk out all that Messiah has commanded us in the Sermon on the Mount, we will see dramatic changes in us as well as those around us. But it's a humbling. It's a humbling. It's contrary to our nature. We want to defend ourselves, make sure that we come out on top. We want to make sure that we're the victorious party in every exchange. And that's what Yeshua is warning us about. He's teaching us to walk in the grace that heaven has shown to us. He's teaching us how to walk in the way that he has prepared for us. So, when we think about this, remember, he said, I didn't come to abolish. I didn't come to wrongly interpret. No, I came to rightly interpret. And then in Matthew 7 and verse 12, everyone knows is the golden rule. He says, therefore, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The positive, affirmative, uh, first strike, as R.T. Kendall says, uh, you know, do the thing first before the other one, before the other person has the opportunity to do it. Do the good to them first is essentially what he is saying. And then he adds a phrase to that. For this is the law and the prophets. Again, he's connecting that. The definition is found back in the law and the prophets. The definition is found in he who is the word made flesh given to us in the scriptures here. It's a humbling. It's a correcting of an attitude that placed uh, my importance above everyone else. And that's one of the things that Yeshua is correcting in the Pharisees in, in Matthew 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You're acting. You're not caring for the bird's nest in a manner of speaking. Everyone can think about the major commands. Those, you know, the, uh, maybe, let me rephrase, not major commands, but rather saying it this way. 
the big ones, the ones that are obvious, the ones that everyone can take note of. And Messiah, of course, has warned us about that. So he's correcting an attitude. He's correcting, saying, you know what? You have to do the small things, these, these little things that you don't ordinarily think of. How did he, how did he correct this in the, in the scribes and the Pharisees? Matthew 23, verse 23. Whoa, I don't want Yeshua. I don't want Jesus to say woe to me. Torah scholars, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you tithe the mint, the dill, the cumin, Yet you neglected the weightier matters of the Torah, justice, mercy, faithfulness. It is necessary to do these things without neglecting the others. Justice, tzedakah, mercy, uh, rachamin, or uh, uh, chesed, loving kindness, faithfulness, emuna. He's telling us that we have to do the things that impact, that, that uh, show it, the reality of what God is doing in us to others. We have to make that visible. We have to make that a reality. And what does he say? You know, in Matthew 7, verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, he's drawing us back to, uh, again, Exodus chapter 24, when the children of Israel said, we will, we will do and hear. He'll be like a wise man who built his house on the rock to hear those words. And of course, the rock is Messiah. So, when we consider all of this adjustment that Messiah is making, why were the, those in attendance, why were the crowd so astonished at what he was saying? Because he was laying the word out for them in a meaningful way that they could walk out. And of course, as we'll discuss in a future podcast, He made the statement that your righteousness has to surpass that of the scribes and that of the Pharisees. And that was an impossible, that was an impossible thing for them to do. Except he's going back to the definition of righteousness that is found in Genesis 15 with Abraham. He believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And then he did he didn't always do correctly. He didn't uh, do perfectly, but he still believed God and he did the things that God commanded. So, as we're considering the words of Messiah and rightly applying and trying to live out in this very difficult age, how should we do this? Well, we have to return to the word. We have to return to the teaching of the word made flesh, Jesus, the Messiah, and consider very closely everything that he's told us. Yes, there are the big major things that we do that everyone will see and take note of, but glory to God, it will be for his, his glorification, his honor, not our own. But we first have to also address those little things, those bird nest moments, the kindness that we show to a neighbor, a stranger, an enemy, as Messiah will teach us to love our enemies to care for them, to care for their life. And that is a teaching drawn on the Torah itself. And I'll talk about that at a later time. But no matter what you are doing today, you know, you say, I'm going to work. I, you know, I, I stay at home. I'm, I'm raising my kids. I'm, I'm doing a job that nobody notices anything. It doesn't matter if I do it or not. Or 
As Paul tells us, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of heaven. Do it all as you are doing it unto him. And he will honor that. But look for those moments where the bird nest is before you. And where you can show kindness in a spot, in a place in life that is devoid of kindness. You can change someone's life. It doesn't have to be anything more than just holding the door open for someone. This is the change that Messiah is asking us to trust him to make in us. Humble ourselves. And of course, we're told in due time, the Lord will raise us up. Glory to God. Glory to God, this is the hardest thing that we'll ever do, trusting him in circumstances like that. But friends, I pray you found something today in these words. And as I continue to kind of fine-tune this podcast and where I'm recording it and, and the presentation, bear with me. And I pray that you will be blessed as we study the Word together. So I want to bless you before I close the program today with the words that the Lord commanded Aaron to place upon the children of Israel. Shalom. Shalom. Can you hear it song? Friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace that surpasses all understanding. B'Shem Hashem, Yeshua. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.